You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. Welcome, and especially if you are new to this community, uh, thank you for indulging this send-off for me. Uh, I'll say it this way. As, as a pastor, you get really uncomfortable anytime there is, there, there's a, a big deal made about you. Uh, that there's, I'm, I'm aware and, and, you know, I hate to over spiritualize things and, but I'll just say it, it makes you a little uncomfortable when you're worried that, that something might take away from anything that would make uh, the gospel unclear or that, that would muddle the thing. So I just, I just want to say thank you for being a part of this tonight. Uh, I'm grateful that each and every one of you are here. And if you're here for the first time, I hope that, that, that you will find this to be just an awesome home for you uh, to connect with others and to connect with Jesus. What I want to do a little bit tonight is share a little bit more about where I'm at uh, as one of the most common questions for me, as I know it is for many of you in the room, sounds something along the lines of, so what are you doing next? What are you doing this summer? What are you doing after you graduate? Okay, there's, there's questions. Anybody tired of those questions right now? Okay, any, anybody going, man, I wish I had a better answer uh, to that. But what I find myself in, in, in this season, this season of, of in-between, is that I think it's, it's really quite a similar space. And to be direct about the question, while I am leaving my role here at UMIN, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next for a job. And that is all at once really exciting. It's all at once very terrifying. And one of the ways that, that, uh, I've talked about this with several people is this idea of a trapeze. Okay. And has anybody in the room ever trapezed before? Any trapezers? Ooh, here we go. Some aerial artists over here is what I believe they're called. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I, I have never trapeze, trapezed. Is that even a word? I have never done the trapeze before. And there's a good reason for that. And that's that I think it's terrifying. I remember being at the circus as a kid, and I, I remembered like doing the equations in my head. Well, if the if the person comes down and they let go with the speed they're going, they might miss the net. Okay, I even remember looking at that net and going, "I think the holes in the net are too big. Like if you fall, you might actually go through the net onto the ground." It seems a bit terrifying. This whole trapeze thing. Well, one of the things that I've come to learn about the trapeze is that the only chance, of course, that you have to, to grab the other bar or to grab the person that is reaching out for you is that you have to let go. You have, you have to, to take that initiative. And often what I'm told is, is if you are, are going one way, you actually have to let go before you can even see the other bar. Because if you can see the other bar, it's actually too late. That there is, is obviously a large degree of faith that's involved in this swinging from one place, actually being aerial, maybe even defying gravity before you know where is, so to speak, the rescue bar. Where's my way out? Where's the next thing that's supposed to show up? 
That's the space I'm in. Some people call it the liminal space. The other, the, the, perhaps the more simple way to say it is that it's simply the space in between. And it's the place that I find myself right now. As many of you find your place right now, you are in that in between place. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you a story from the Bible. And for those of you that are into this kind of thing, like I am, uh, the text that I want to share tonight was actually the text that I preached the very first time I got to speak at the inn. And yeah, oh. <laughs> and it is one of the things that I love about the Bible is that on the one hand, it is the word of God and it stays the same. It grounds us. And on the other hand, the word of God always continues to speak to us. And so as I share from Luke 24 tonight, I'm not merely preaching the same talk that I gave 16 and a half years ago at the end of winter quarter, but it is actually a new and fresh, uh, I don't know, reading, understanding of a passage that I have come to love that I hope speaks to us tonight. And the big thing that I want to share uh, tonight is that in this space between, as uh, whether you are graduating, whether you are going on deputation, looking for a new job, changing a living environment, wherever the space in between that you find yourself may be, that we would recognize that Jesus is more present than we can see. Jesus is more present than we realize, and that it that when Jesus is with us, it brings our past and our future to the present. So let's take a look at, the, at this passage and see if we might be able to make a little bit more sense of that. So let's look at uh, Luke 24. We're going to begin at the 13th verse. And we meet two people that uh, on Easter Sunday, okay, Jesus uh, has been, uh, he has hung on the cross. He has died. He has been buried. And there have been this group of people that have gone to the tomb and Jesus isn't there. And these guys would have been, uh, they would have known Jesus. They would have been friends of Jesus. Uh, they're not Peter, James, and John on the inner circle. They're not one of the 12 on kind of that next ring around Jesus, but they're likely on that next ring. So they knew Jesus. They were, they were boys with the disciples, likely. Uh, but this is the only place that they, so to speak, get their name in the Bible. Okay, Luke 24, beginning at verse 13, it says this. Now that same day, Easter, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked, they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Okay, so these guys who know Jesus, that would have been familiar with Jesus, are kept from recognizing him. And the, the in-speaking team forgot to give them a spe specific shout-out. Thank you, speaking team. You guys are the best. One of the first questions that they asked was, why would Jesus do that? What's up with that? 
you know, why, why does it say they were kept from recognizing him? And the way that we answered that question, I believe the technical term of it was, well, to keep them from geeking out. Okay, to keep them from totally freaking out. Oh my gosh, Jesus, can I have your autograph type thing? Okay, maybe you've had that moment where you're interacting with maybe somebody that you've seen on TV, some sort of of celebrity. Uh, Several years ago, it was actually right as I started seminary, I was... I had a paper to do, and me and my wife were with some friends up at Whistler, BC, and, and I had a paper that was due on Tuesday of, of uh, you know, at the end of that weekend, and so I needed to go and work on this. So I go to this hotel lobby, and I, I sit down, and I'm working on this paper, and at one point, I, I, I kind of pull my head out of my computer, and I, I right across from me, is, you know, this, this woman who's kind of looking at me and, you know, I, I feel like she's kind of trying to get my attention. And I, I discover like, oh man, this, this woman, she was in Pulp Fiction. Okay. Which was a really hot movie when I was in college. Okay. You guys probably don't even know what that is, but this woman's name is Uma Thurman. Okay. And, and she's like totally given the R the eyes, you know? And, and, you know, at one point, I, you know, she's, you know, she's, she's kind of looking at me, and I'm like, Uma, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a one-woman guy, you know. And you know, it was kind of, it was kind of awkward and whatever. I mean, she, she was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sitting right next to the R. And <laughs> see, when we meet celebrities, we kind of geek out, which is why I have to make up a story of how she's giving me eyes. Now, I really did see Uma Thurman. She was really sitting right across from me, but I'm the one that was freaking out, right? I'm the one that didn't know what to do. So what, of course, what we're getting at here is that there, the opportunity for me to have, so to speak, a real conversation with this person that I had seen on the big screen that I really didn't know, but I have an idea of what they might be like because of the movies that I've seen that, that she's in it. Maybe the reason that they were kept from recognizing was the opportunity to say, I want to be in a real relationship with you. Not a celebrity relationship, but a real relationship with you. Uh, so, le- so let's continue looking at uh, verse 17. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things? Jesus asked. You know, so I love that right here, Cleopas' response to Jesus was like, how do you not know these things? You know, like, like, were you born in a barn? (laughs) Here's the thing that I would rather have you notice is that there is an assumption that everyone knows what happens in Holy Week on this Good Friday, the day Jesus was crucified, and on Easter Sunday, the day he rose from the dead and the tomb was found empty. There is an assumption 
that, oh, don't you know what happened and what it might mean? And Jesus is there pressing him, doing what? Asking not one, but two questions. Seriously, what things? The verse continues. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and other people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, notice the tense there, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women, some of our comrades amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. All right, a summation of of what had happened in these few days. Now, we don't know much about Cleopas and who he is with. Some people say that it was Cleopas and a buddy. Some people say it was Cleopas and his wife. We really don't know. But given that they did this recap and they're discussing these things all uh, as they talk along, uh, along the road uh, on this seven-mile walk, I tend, I tend to think that maybe it was two dudes, okay? Two guys, just because I'm one of these guys that loves to recap. Right when when uh, this this last fall when when the Husky football team beat Stanford on that Friday night anybody there okay fired up awesome game I went home went over to my neighbor's house and we watched the whole game again okay I loved I loved to recap after we won the Pac-12 championship I couldn't go I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel room with a couple of buddies and watch ESPN to see what they were saying about the dogs I couldn't wait for the recap right there my my two oldest sons like the thing that they DVR every single day is quick pitch on the MLB network. A, who watches baseball anymore? B, who DVRs quick pitch? A couple of dudes that want recaps. Okay, there is something about these, these recaps. And what it does is help us understand what was the story that they were understanding? What were, what were some of the assumptions that, that they were, were making? And one of the big assumptions that I want you to catch is, is what the past had been. Remember when he said, we had hoped. There's an emphasis on we, we did have hope, but the implication is it's in this moment, not really there. Based on what we can see, which is Jesus is not in the tomb. We don't know where he is. We don't know what's supposed to happen or what's going to happen. It seems their hope has passed. Now, I am so glad, and this is, again, this is really important that I, I want you to see that, that what is in the Bible right here. Two people covered in doubt and confusion and disappointment that are just being straight up with, you know what? I don't know what to think about this. 
we had hoped that this was going to be something different than what we are experiencing right now. That's in the Bible. And they give Jesus himself a real response. God, we don't know what this all means. And honestly, we're, we're pretty disappointed. We don't get it. Finally, we continue. As they approached the village to which they were going, they get to Emmaus, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Cleopas and his friends, stay with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and begin, began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Okay? And I just want to underscore that last part. He disappeared from their sight. But here's what I would invite you to consider that just because Jesus had disappeared from their sight, does that mean that Jesus, the Son of God, was not present? Just because he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other after this recognition and this disappearance, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. Significant that these guys run to a group of others. When there's a discovery, when, there's, when there is good news, most of the time we can't wait to tell someone about it. We want to share, we, we want to share the story and we want someone to share in that story. So, so this story concludes with this wonderful moment of discovery followed by this need to be in even more community. And I believe that as they run to the 11, the rest of these disciples, what they're really craving is an even greater understanding, an even greater discovery of what does this mean? What does this mean that we saw Jesus on the road? Let's try and sort this out together. So what? What does this story tell us about what it means to live in tension and in mystery and to seek Jesus in that? What do I want to say to this beloved community in my last talk at the inn? Honestly, my goal in this moment is not to share with you anything that's brand new. In fact, I hope that the, the three things that I want to share with you here are things that if you've been a part of this community, you've heard it over and over again. So there's nothing new here. Just things that I desperately long for you to know. The first is this. Run to community. I love that it is in this confusion and disappointment and doubt that two people walk together 
I love that it is in the discovery and joy that they run to share it with each other and others to better discover what it all, what the gospel means. In this season for me of being in between, being on the trapeze, I'm proud to stand before you and tell you that I have been remarkably cared for. A small group uh, that we meet with weekly, a group of guys that I've journeyed with since college, a community of faith uh, that even as I leave staff uh, continues to embrace and love me and my family. There's no greater treasure, in my opinion, than the lives that we get to interact with in those moments of doubt and disappointment. And in those moments of incredible joy, weddings, the birth of children, national championships. And yet there will always be those moments of brokenness, divorces, the premature death of a loved one, terminal illness, the loss of a job. This story shows us that Jesus meets us in community in all those places. And that no matter the circumstances, we don't do it on our own. And so who are the people on your life, in your life? Do they know that you are running to them? Do they know that they need you to be available to run to them? Are you available when those run to you? I want to speak really quick on that note to the juniors in this room and to our future student leaders. Rally together, run to each other. This ministry is yours. Even what, when we don't know exactly what leadership will look like next year, I know that there are a group of, of people in this room that are ready to join together in, in the great joys of ministry and in the great challenges to lead this place. And so for those of you that are juniors, for those of you that will be on student leadership next year, take this seriously. Join together in community. This is an incredible opportunity. Second is this, challenge your assumptions. Jesus wants to know what these guys are, are talking about and how they understand essentially the gospel. What are you, what, what do you know about this? Okay, challenge the assumptions that you have about what is God supposed to do? What do I think God is going to do? What do I want God to do on my behalf? Okay, we, we have these, I think these expectations, these very well-formed expectations in some, in some ways about if it doesn't happen like this, then that means God isn't here. God has abandoned me. Uh, challenge our assumptions. The other way to say this, and, and frankly, the more positive way is be curious because it is only in curiosity, in asking questions, in in trying something new, that we're going to make greater discoveries about both the bigness of God and the one that created the universe and the smallness and the one that knows how many hairs we have on the top of our head and, and that knows exactly who we are. 
there is more to discover. Let me say it like this. Let's picture two guys, not, maybe not unlike the two guys in the story, that back in the day, they're walking along. You know, I, I don't know when this might have been. And they come face to face with a cow. Okay? They come face to face with a cow, and they're close enough that they're like, man, that thing stinks. You know, and that thing isn't the prettiest thing in the world. You know, them big old horns right there, like. And yet one of them says, you know what? I think that thing would be good eating. I think that thing would taste real, real good. Really? Really? Guy looks back at the whore, at the, the, the cow, rather, and says, you know, okay, how about this? How about this? What are the odds... What are the odds that I walk up to that cow, see those things hanging on the bottom of the cow, and I grab onto one of those things, squeeze it, and you drink whatever comes out of it? Okay? Now, if somebody didn't challenge their assumptions and what they could see, this thing is ugly and it smells... Okay, how would we have ever discovered that steak is good? Okay, how would we have ever discovered, you know, cheese and ice cream and all, right? We are so glad that somebody said, you know what? I think that thing might be good. And the stuff there hanging on the bottom, we should drink it. In our faith, there's a necessity for curiosity if we are going to discover the fullness of who Jesus is. And so the question I would pose to you is, what is something different you can do? And for those of you that have been walking for a G- with Jesus for a long time, I want to ask, are you surrounded by a Christian bubble? That maybe it's time for you to step a little a little further away from from the great security and the fellowship that you experienced there for the purposes of stepping into new venues and seeing how much more God is at work than we ever realized. Because finally this, my last point, the thing you need to hear clearest is that Jesus is with you before you realize it just like these two guys, before you realize it, Jesus is with you. Before you recognize it, Jesus is with you. When your circumstances are unstable, Jesus is with you. When you can't see any of the evidence, Jesus is with you when you don't understand, when you doubt, indeed, when you sin, Jesus is with you. When you don't know what your next job will be, what your major might be, where you're going with your life, 
Jesus is with you. More than you know, Jesus is with you.